And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome, everybody. It's two for Tuesday. But it's not tacos. It's Danny and me. Lance is in an undisclosed location under lock and key. We may let him out soon. Kind of like his retirement. Right. The day of his retirement, Danny and I are going to lock him in an office. He can't leave. Never. You know what his gravestone would probably be a chart with a with a 50-day crossing to the 200-day, like a crashing stock that says, I'm down here. Think so? Fair enough. I like it. Okay. I was thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. and th- thought that DES would be better. Donuts, eggnog, and seclusion. Because I had a dream about donuts the other night and eggnog and seclusion. So if we just did that, I think that would be a better way to go. So now you're on to something, right? A delivery service that, that delivers... Donuts. Eggnog donuts. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. To those in seclusion. Correct. Yeah, to, yeah. to people that who don't leave the house. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's a little hot for eggnog, though. No, you ice it up, man. You ice it up. Okay. Get some rum and all that. It's all good. But yeah, it is a little heavy for the summer, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Not a big eggnog guy, but yeah. No? Okay. I'm going to have to make you some of my Rich Rosso special eggnog. I think a couple of sips of that, and you'll be looking at the world in a whole different way. All right. Fair enough. Do you ever see the Adams Family when they mix stuff together and then the, the steam starts to rise from it? That's sort of what happens when I make the Rich Rosso happy eggnog. So it's a very special blend. Well, we welcome you with us, and we still have sort of a muck market. The Dow futures down 45. We're still in the, embroiled in this debt scare tactic fiasco that if I watch one more, one more uh, media head, um, headline on TV or read anything that says that we're going to heck, we can't pay our bills, you know, it's just, it's just this scare tactic, Danny, this false narrative. I was on Next Door yesterday, which is scary enough, and there are a lot of older Americans just scared that they're not going to get their Social Security checks, and they don't understand how all this works. And Janet Yellen, I won't, I'll leave my words aside for her based on her bombastic commentary lately, but uh, you know, you got to take a step back, right, and, and look at the rationale of how much money we bring in there's certain things we wouldn't be able to do, but there are certain things we will do. And the default is not in the cards. That means, no, we're not going to pay our principal. We're not going to pay our interest. We're going the way of FTX. That is not the case. But you have a lot of people scared, which I think is the objective politically. Well, of course. I mean, that, that way they keep people tuned into what they're trying to do, but also to get their narrative across when it, com- when it comes time to cast our ballots, right? Yep. They can come back and say, hey, look what these guys did. And I think it goes for both sides. And so we just have to be cautious with you know, the narrative in general and 
you know, there's a lot of bad misinformation out there. I think it's really tough, Rich, to, for people to really get a good understanding as far as what it means. Like, I wish yep. they'd do a fact check on these articles that are out there right now. Because the some of it's just so misleading. It's all headline, Danny. The whole world now is all foam, no beer. It's like everybody will not dig into, you know, it's that heuristic bias, right? You just go and dig, you're at the surface, and you sell stories this way. And, and people don't read. They don't do homework. They just read whatever the story is. They click on the, on, they get, they, they're on the clickbait, and they don't, they just react. Everything's emotional, primal, tribal. I mean, it's just a really terrible way to go, and I felt really bad, so I had him go on next door and explain, and I never post anything on oh, Nextdoor. Oh, man, you went down that rabbit hole? I did. I did, and of Goodness course, I, I'm like, okay, listen, we study Social Security. I will tell you, don't worry. I mean, I sort of felt bad for these people going, this is all I have, you know, and I'm hearing all these stories about you know, we're not going to be able to pay our bills. I mean, this is what these narratives do to people. And it's not fair. And I even understand older you know, Americans may not fully understand it. But the Janet Yellens of the world that push muck since she's been fed. I'm not pushing any muck. Go muck yourself. She has been the worst. The worst fed chair. She is the worst. Whatever she does doesn't work. I mean, she's a political tool. And that's the way it is. And somebody asked, where is Lance? He, again, he's locked up in a building. He'll be back on... <laughs> When's Lance coming back? Monday? No. No. Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, we all have off We're Monday. We're on Memorex well, on Danny Monday. Danny and I probably don't have off Monday. Yeah, you do. But, yeah, that's what you think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no rest for the weary. Clients have no idea of holidays. Holidays do not exist. Let's get the emails and the calls going on Christmas Day. Which we're happy to handle. It beats the alternative. It absolutely does. We're grateful every day for people that even want to reach out to us. Um, so again, Danny, we're stuck in this this trading range, and again, it's this this frustration of uh, what direction do we go with markets? Interesting story out of Bloomberg today. Um, you know, we just added a little bit more to our energy positions, right? So Saudi Arabia's top energy official issued another warning to oil short sellers. In other words, they're saying, listen, hey, uh, don't think that prices are coming down anytime soon. You got China coming back online, getting stronger, right? They're, they're holding the keys to, to the Golden Palace, and they're saying, listen, uh, we're not going to increase production. So you seller, you short sellers who think that prices are going down, you've got another story. So some of the traditional things that you think would happen and how the market reacts, say, for example, demand slowing down, thus energy prices are going to slow down. Some of this linkage is going to be broken based on all this, this, this climate cult issue, these climate cultists and these energy issues that we're seeing right now, Right. Energy policy is going to override that. So you might see, to some degree, of course, um, you're going to see some uh, lack, you know, some pullback in demand. 
but global oil inventories are on track to tighten sharply for the remainder of the year. OPEC is saying, based on their own data, a substantial supply shortfall of about 1.5 million barrels a day. So everybody's criticizing OPEC, but frankly, why are you criticizing OPEC? We have the ability to produce. They're just looking at supply and demand and taking advantage of it, frankly. Well, they're looking after their own self-interest, and you can't yeah, blame them, right? I mean, that's right. what they're designed to do, and unfortunately, that may not be in the interest of everybody else, but um, when you're in this dynamic, that's what the design is, is made for, right? Uh, exactly, exactly. Here we get back. Danny and I have been talking about how this was a white-collar recession, and if you're, I don't know, we got some tagline this morning. What is it, Brent? Brent's going to do it because I never remember it. A good white-collar job is hard to find. And it is. This is something Danny and I predicted over a year ago when we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Wow, Rick. Whatever are we going to do over this hot, lazy summer? Don't you worry, little darling. We're going to break our money malaise. Don't let the summer doldrums sap your money's worth. Register for our next Candid Coffee with Danny Ratcliffe and Richard Rosso with summertime tips for your idle cash. Saturday, June 3rd. It's our half-year financial checkup, breaking your money malaise this summer. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. So a couple of days ago, I got an email from a client, Danny, that's looking at a private investment, a new company, a new uh, sort of hedge fund venture capital, whatever sexy words you want to throw into it, that is raising capital for a project. And, you know, the returns, the numbers just sort of look strange. How so? Well, they're just over-promising. And I think you're going into, plus I wasn't really clear exactly, they were nebulous about the projects. Like, what's the project? Give me an idea of what you're doing. Um... We just, here's the project, what it's projected to do. The pro, it's like some hidden secret. So you ever get this, you know, we're doing this long enough where you get a sixth sense that I wouldn't Something's be putting right. any money here. Yeah. Right? Send me your money, we'll tell you what we're doing. Yeah, that's what it is. Send it first, then we'll let you know. Like, this is a big secret. Um, so I told the client blatantly, I said, listen, I understand private investments. I, I think from a diversification perspective, as long as you wrap rules around it, you can certainly venture, understand the illiquidity of them, understand the risk of them, but something with this one doesn't pass the smell test. So sometimes your gut is right. Yeah. Sometimes you got to go with your gut and say something's not right. I felt that way about FTX, didn't you? So the only person, or one of the only people, because look how many people got roped into FTX. 
Tom Brady, like all these, like Tom Brady, I understand was a spokesperson and he's getting sued, but the dude also lost, I think, a substantial amount of money. I think him and Giselle he lost put a large amount of his net worth. Didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, they, they had to track down Shaq. Like they couldn't find him. Like, how do you not find him? It's like not finding Connie. Just look in the crowd. You'll find him. I mean, I mean, that dude like that can't hide for long. Um, so, because they're trying to serve him because he was a spokesperson. Listen, you, ha- you know, actors get hired all the time to do things. But the person who asked the best question, and people probably know this already, but is Taylor Swift. What was her question? So Taylor Swift, I don't know if you remember this story. She, they were going to do a $100 million sponsorship deal. That would involve selling tickets as non-fungible tokens to her fans. So before she, she looked at the deal, she asked the question, can you tell me that these are, are, these are not unregistered securities? When she found out that they weren't, she turned it down. Think about the power of that question and then understanding, even if doesn't mean it's, I don't want to say that if it's unregistered, it's a scam, but if it's unregistered, it tells you that you need to take a step back and know the risks or examine the risks. And unfortunately, and like with this, this, this venture fund out of, I don't know where, I think it was like Ohio or something, Utah, whatever, there was not a lot of information except give me money. And you'll get this kind of return by 2026, but you're not really being clear what it is. Um, you have got to be careful. We see people fall for these kinds of things over and over again. Now, listen, there are people that go into private, right? They go into private investments in real estate for a percentage. They they do rental real estate. They they understand the risks, but but you know, I think as the economy slow rolls into recession or something like it, um, I would keep my money close to the vest and and understand if it's unregistered and illiquid that I, I'm, I might be speculating and returns may be too good to be true. Rich, I think you, you bring up a lot of really good points. I think that, number one, the liquidity aspect that most people just don't understand about the private investment mm-hmm. market can be can be really a, you know a bad thing in the sense that you think you're going to be able to get your funds out and there may not be an opportunity for you to actually have that liquidity event in a certain spe- specific time frame and even then they may say we're going to give you specific windows that you're going to be allowed to take funds out they may say we'll only we'll only allow up to 5% of the overall fund or 10% or whatever it may be but if somebody beats you to the exit you may not be able to get there at all Yes. And so we see a lot of these different types of investments. And I would think we probably let a lot more across our desk that you wouldn't want to touch mm-hmm. than what you would actually say, hey, you know what? This actually looks really good. And, and I like them in the right environment, in the right instant, with the right people. Listen, there are opportunistic zone yeah. funds. There are private equity deals uh, dealing with um, storage facilities and and strip malls and other things. But if I'm going, what I have to keep in mind is if I'm working for a company, and we're going to talk a little bit about why a white-collar job is hard to find, 
and that Danny and I have been talking about for a long time, that this will be a white-collar recession. If, if I work at Home Depot in an aisle, even though numbers are soft, Lowe's came out, their numbers, are pretty, their numbers were softer than expected from do-it-yourself projects. People are just not doing that, right? It's all about going out there and experiences and so forth. But I am still, if I'm working in an aisle at Lowe's, I'm not as shouldn't be as worried about my job as if I'm working in a cubicle in middle management, in marketing, or some other job at Lowe's, right? So what I think in a time of slowdown, I want more liquidity as possible. Like, I don't want anything illiquid. That's my extreme view, everybody. I'm not saying you shouldn't. If you put rules around it, I'm going to have 5% of my money in something illiquid. I still think that's okay. But liquidity is going to be precious. Before, the, um, before COVID hit, Danny and I were preaching about financial vulnerability cushion, having at least a year's worth of living expenses in, in cash, right? Six months for the stuff that just you expect to go wrong. And then the other six months for the big stuff that could go wrong, like you lose your job or someone in your family does. We didn't expect some big issue to happen, but the people who had done that we started talking about a year before they, a lot of them had called us and said, thank you. That was the best thing we did. It was just luck on the timing, unfortunately, with, with um, COVID. And then Susie Orman came out after the fact and suggested that because she's always late. Um, so for me, the illiquidity going through a contraction in the economy, especially if I'm working for an employer and have really no control over my destiny is not really something I would look at. And that's sort of part of my nature and that comes in my money script, right? I'm going to be much more money vigilant and, I'm, and I over, overdo some of that. Because even my girlfriend Amy goes, goes, you sure do like insurance. Well, insurance is a way to mitigate risk. So I look at it as insurance as a positive. So if I were going to look at a liquid investment, I would try to visualize how it would look through a contraction. And do I really want to go through that right now? Maybe I'll pick it up later at a lower price. Or maybe I'll just wait. Well, I think I'd also understanding, though, but you, you love investing in equities, right? So you're not opposed to risk, but it's risk that you know. And I think that you know, that's a problem, especially when we start to get into private investments. You have, generally speaking, a very concentrated risk in a specific sector, theme, investment, and that can be where you see more issues with it, Rich, not just the liquidity event, but how much are you going to put of your, your net worth there? And, and listen, there's a lot of people out there that do primarily this, mm -hmm. but they're looking and they know that they're going to strike out quite a bit, but if they hit one grand slam, it may be worth it for them. Yes. Whereas the average investor, I think sometimes we're um, – you know, seduced by the potential of that big grand slam and think about how it could impact and change your life. Yeah. But you also need to think about on the opposite end of it. What happens if you strike out? What happens if it's bad and you put a substantial portion of your net worth? And I think that's where a lot of people get in trouble. They maybe no, they haven't no had boundaries. access to something like this before. No boundaries. Greed. Yep. Yeah. Well, you get the accessibility to it now and you say, okay, well, net worth has been, uh, has been creeping up. You want to say, you know what? It's been a very difficult environment. Like you said, it's it's frustrating because we've been basically, you know, we've had a really bad year. Now you've got a decent year. Mm -hmm. We're kind of trading sideways, mm -hmm. um, which we will get out of. But, you know, it, oh, yeah. it makes, I think, that we're more vulnerable to those types of pitches. Yes, you're right. Um, 
the more stagnant the market gets, even though I'm getting good returns on cash. Um, and those, those returns on cash are fleeting. You got to remember the great reinvestment risk you're going to have here. If the Fed's going to have to do what they need to do, say, by in two years, and that's lowering rates. Uh, and we can, only we can only sustain a certain level of, of interest rate uh, levels the way they are. You see, we just, based on the national debt, we can't, we can't deal with it. So um, you just want to be maybe a little more cautious. There's nothing wrong with that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with doing your homework. I just could not do any homework on this particular deal. I, I, I mean. Yeah, so what, what's it based on then, right? Based on a feeling? Yeah, on it's like potential projections you, on something, you know, but you don't even know how you're going to get there. And then it was about you should have read the website. It was all this flowery language, all this, you know, it's like someone baked a cake and they forgot the substance of it, and they just have a bunch of icing out there. Yeah. I mean, I was like, what is this? This has this, multiple paragraphs of saying nothing to me. The last time I saw that was Stanford's website, by the way. Yeah, I told okay, you. I, 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 the clients had. I had some clients who had money 10%. with them. Yeah. Yeah, and the the um, this was prior to me working with them. Right. <laughs> FYI, uh, full disclosure. But they showed me and shared with me some of the letters that he was writing, and, and one of them was actually like the day they were raided or like right before it. And you think, oh, my goodness. I mean, and it was just so eloquently, like very flowery. Everything oh. is great. We've done this forever. It's going to be okay. Um, yeah clearly was not and when you, you know but look looking back the market was what four or five percent cds the guy's pitching nine percent of bank of antigua bank of antigua <laughs> something something's wrong right remember that bank it was a pretty pink uh, bank with beautiful little striped awnings all around so it, it looked like an ice cream shop we'll be right back Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. And we're back. So Lance and Mike have lamented about this for a while, but about commercial real estate and the dangers there. But hey, Jamie Dimon talked to analysts on Monday and said, listen, uh, commercial real estate is still a problem that we're going to have to deal with. Um, certain locations, certain properties, certain construction loans, and you're seeing credit tightening up because that's the easiest way for the bank to retain capital and to make the next loan. So if I'm investing in illiquid investments, especially with real estate and commercial real estate, I am really going to be looking for a substantial return for the liquidity and the risk I'm taking at this juncture in the cycle. That's, that's just a fact. Um, and again, to Danny's point, there will be a lot of investors. Listen, a lot of investors get fooled all the time and get taken in. But the more this market sits there and does nothing, the more it makes investors edgy to look for other opportunities that just places them further into hot water. So again, white collar jobs been a tough 
stint, tough go. So you look at job postings from real estate, finance, insurance, advertising have fallen over 500,000 since the end of last year, and that's based on federal data. Employers seeking to fill white-collar roles report it's taking an average of 11 weeks to hire, up from seven in 2021, and that's according to Robert Half. So everybody is being extra cautious. One, a lot of companies have gotten burned because they're hiring people, and then you see all this job hopping because employees were in such demand. The other part is just that, hey, or we— Or people are working two jobs at once. <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, if you have, a, you know, hey, I got a degree in marketing or business management, and I'm going to work a white-collar job, you are just going to have a tough time. There was a great story in the Wall Street Journal about some very qualified individuals that just can't find work on the white-collar side. That's when you go to Bucky's. They get paid probably just as much and learn more because you're dealing with people every day and learning how a business operates as opposed to, I do marketing from a cubicle and I have no idea what, what the heck that means. So I still think, Danny, this is going to be an issue. I still think this softness in white-collar hiring is going to continue for a while, and companies are going to get exceedingly more, more cautious. What do you think? Well, I think there's a ton of people that are still out of the workforce from the pandemic yeah, that just true. aren't showing up, per se. Um, and, and, you know, if you look at some of these studies and you hear some of the stories of what people are going through, where it went from, you know, going through one or two or three or maybe four interviews at most, and now sometimes you've got like 10 11, yep. 12, um, and then not even get the job or not even hear back from anybody. And so I think it's it's a couple things. You mentioned, you know, employers are being cautious. They've mm. been burned. Um, you really want to make sure you're you're hiring the right people. And they don't want those job hoppers that people have gone from job to job to job because the risk and the amount of money it takes to develop somebody, to integrate them and onboard them in your business is is substantial. It is, because now, during the pandemic, companies were looking to look at people with, say, a year or two of experience, but they had potential. Now, it's more, hey, we want 10 years of experience and no job hopping along the way. We want to make sure you're going to stick around. So as the economy softens, people are getting, uh, companies are getting more discerning, uh, not because, hey, we got to fill seats. Right, and it's happening at companies like AT and T, smaller companies like Stryker, uh, smaller companies as well. So you're seeing the bar being raised for white collar work. And if you've job hopped a lot now in the past, that was sort of a negative, I think. And then that that narrative sort of died. Like in other words, Wick, listen, we need we need people. So if you have potential, we understand you've been you've been job hopping. We get it. Now it's going back to, hmm, this person's had seven jobs in the last three years. <laughs> Not good. Well, I think, I think we're going back to employers. You know, here's the interesting thing, that employers have always required and requested loyalty, right? But mm -hmm. the employees for years and years did, did just that. But then you feel like it's kind of gotten away from it, especially as yeah. you've seen a lot of benefits that have been taken away as well. The employees have not been nearly as loyal because there hasn't been the need to, right? You didn't. You're not walking away from the pension plan. You're not walking away from this awesome health care. Um, you know, as we continue to see 
things are watered down, well, hey, I can understand making that move, right? I think employees and employers over the last 20 years have been quiet quitting each other. Yeah. Uh, more risks are being uh, borne by or, or bared by the uh, employee, right? In other words, the employee is taking on health care risk with high deductible plans. No longer do you have pensions. So employees go, hey, you know, my, you know, especially the younger generation, my dad was loyal to this company for years and he got nothing for it. So now it's like the other extreme. Like we won't give you any loyalty. You know, we're just flighty. And there are companies out there, especially I think a lot of many small businesses that value their people so much, you know, they, they have to work to make sure that their employees are happy because there is no quiet quitting between those two. It's more of, in a small business, it's more of a marriage. And you all got to work together and make each other happy. But the employer and the employee are both very diligent at holding up their, their part of the bargain. Big companies, you know, it's like running cattle through. Um, listen, I've, I had that experience where I was before. I mean, I thought they treated employees terribly. Uh, it was just like a big factory of sausage. And, you know, if you didn't perform, then you were out and someone else would fill your seat and there was really no significance to you. But how many companies are like that? Now they've started to change it a little bit. Employees got more leverage on them, right? It became more of, hey, the employees are more important. Now I don't know where it goes. Like, I, I don't know where it swings uh, on the pendulum right now. I think you see a swing back, right? I mean, I think that you're going to have to see more and more small businesses. So what you mentioned, right? Small businesses have figured it out. They're saying, we have got to take We're care of our We're doing it people. old school, right? Yeah. Like, That's right. We're seeing more and more people... Yeah open to find benefit plans, 401ks, mm -hmm. revamp their health care, just their employee benefits in general to retain top talent and or go attract it. And I think that's become a lot more attractive for somebody who's been at maybe one of the big firms. And now they're a little bit more inclined to leave because they don't want the headache, the stress of, you know, your job's on the line every single day. No. Um, because of bad management, right? And then if you're not getting all the the bells and whistles that you used to get with it, I don't blame them. The one lesson I learned, Danny, I, I learned it too late. You, you learned it much sooner, which I give you credit for. I would never, ever work for a large publicly traded corporation again, ever. Yeah. I think if you want to make impact, you work for a small business, become a very valuable resource to that business you will learn more you'll be appreciated more eventually you'll make more i you know this this comfort of having a large corporation like a snuggie that was the 50s and the 60s and possibly part of the 70s but it isn't anymore you know how many times do you go to bed at night and you go thank god i work i'm grateful for what the company we have the clients we work with, the employees we have, and we don't have to worry about getting fired. It, like, in other words, our destiny is in our control, and there is a piece to that Then compared to working for a company and going, oh, my God, another slowdown's coming. Am I going to be on the chopping block? You know, uh, you know right? Don't How are they going to change your pay today? How are they going to yeah. mess with what you can How do How are they going to mess with your compensation? I mean, yeah. yeah. What bonus am I not getting? 
it, yeah, I understand sometimes why employees don't care anymore. Because if you took me, a very passionate employee, and took me to the point of apathy, which my last company did, it has to take a lot. For this generation, it's not going to take a lot because they've learned from all the generations before them. Whatever job you have, you do the best job you have. You make that job the most important job, and you'll get noticed. But I would just, I tell my daughter all the time, small company. But even then, I've got buddies that company. work for very large companies. Uh -huh. They said they'll, they'll walk out the door. They've got there at 5 or 6 a.m. They'll walk out at 8 o'clock, not seeing their kids yeah. at all that day. And their manager gives them a look like, where do you think you're going? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I used to get the, you, you know, you don't have to go to your daughter's recital. We don't do that here. I'm like, and, yeah. and if I work for a big company, well, I'm not to say, well, now I'm going to get looked negatively. Oh, you just will. Just because I have, my, I have a family. Right? Correct. No way to live. This generation somehow has figured that out. Now, I think in some ways they, they're a little loony, but they understand the some of the things that we probably should have done and what you're doing. A long now. time ago. Yeah. A long time ago. Oh, so I, I yeah. When you mentioned that, I just thought of the stress you used to deal with on a daily basis. Oh, my I gosh. Mean, I had, when I used to go on TV, I had this twitch in my eye. It looked like I was winking at the audience. Hi, everybody. I'm Rich Rocho. No bueno. We're very grateful to be here with you this morning. Oh, we get back. We got a lot of other stuff to talk about. I have no idea what, but we will figure it out. We've got a whole bunch of stuff that we can get to. Stay tuned. Don't go away. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com so you heard the ad for our next candid coffee breaking your money malaise that the voices you heard is erica who's our social media person and brent Barry White Clanton because he's trying to be red but he sounds like oh baby <laughs> it's a long hot summer we'll figure something out I mean that's the you know is that is that the voice that got the wife is that you use that on date night or no no, no it's not no you just use your normal golden tone radio voice I said is anyone sitting here <laughs> and sat down next to her it's like the George Strait song, The Chair. So that's how that went. Did you know her? Um, I knew of her. Okay. Yeah. All right, Bruce. Go get her. Good job. Yeah, baby. Yeah. See that smile on his face? It's upside down. Um, so, <laughs> what? I'm kidding. We're going to have a lot of great money-saving tips for summer because 
Stop focusing on the market and start focusing on your life. Uh, what to do with idle cash, planning ahead, rebalancing or looking at your finances in a different way. Um, some ideas on cash yields, but also the dangers of cash yields. Um, so we're going to come up with a whole bunch of tips. And if there's a tip, so you go Saturday, June 3rd at 8 a.m., sign up at Real Investment Advice. And if you have a tip, let us know. Is there something that you do, whether it's financial housekeeping, whatever you might do that is helpful, um, we would like to know. We would like to know. I know a lot of clients that catch up on some of their reading, financial reading and so forth during the summer. I don't think that's a bad uh, idea. But again, so the Candid Coffee was designed, was designed so that you share your ideas with us, share your concerns with us, go through it. You know, it's an open forum. Dan and I are there in the morning before you start your day, so please sign up for that. If you haven't signed up for Lance's Before the Bell, or what is it called now? Yeah, Before it, the it Bell. It is Before the Bell. Mm-hmm. What was yeah. it before? Three minutes on markets yeah, and now, money. I like the Before the Bell better. So Before the Bell and uh, you, you our... couldn't keep it three minutes. <laughs> I don't think Lance could do anything in three minutes. Everything's got to be at least 10. Like, who yell at me for at least 11? So... Um, so go ahead and sign up for his newsletter. You know, he's, he's out for a little bit on vacation, but he's also still writing. He's on our calls and, and working through that. He just has a better view than billboards and strip malls. Um, so, and traffic over there on Getty Freeway. Yeah. You know, when you, when there's a crash down there, you can hear it up here. I know. You're right. It's yeah. scary as heck. And he's got the he's got the corner position he on the does. floor. He's got that full view. Like a two hundred and seventy degree view. I remember I was sitting in my office and some some dude came and just knocked the Toyota sign down. Yeah. Off of the Toyota yep. dealership. It was like <gasps> hit it with a pickup truck and it knocked us off offline for the power. Did it really? Yeah, knocked the building off <laughs> off the grid. The adventures of driving. Listen, that's why you don't invest in illiquid investments. You don't even know if you're going to make it through a drive here. All right, so Dow futures are still there, down about 62 points. NASDAQ futures down 27. S&P down 8. Again, stock futures are slipping, but it's still this wait-and-see attitude. The lows came in, beat first quarter earnings expectations, but lowered its full-year forecast just seems like Danny people are more apt to spend money at restaurants like you said yesterday restaurants are crowded as heck everybody is still going out to eat doing more experiences and travel I'm going to be interested to see what travel season looks like or how much driving is going to be done through the Memorial Day weekend they just showed 17 million people are estimated to travel this weekend via flight really yeah I'm not sure what that is in relation to the averages historically but Seems like a lot of people to me. Yeah, they just want to go. It's a lot of baggage to get lost. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it sure is. Just saying. Yeah. Yep. Lots of baggage. People with baggage. Planes with baggage. Lots of baggage. Um, so here's what a lot of people do to avoid baggage. They, invest, they retire overseas. I've had clients that have talked about Retiring to Costa Rica, retiring to Spain. I have one client that's going to, in the next couple of years, retire to Italy, Danny. 
it was a fringe idea, but more and more you're seeing Americans looking to start over. And not in a different state, but a different country. So uh, Kathleen Petticourt, she's the founder of Live and Invest Overseas, provides information on subjects that are very important. you got to understand the health care quality, cost of living, right? Because a lot of the Americans that are moving overseas have their money deposited in U.S. bank accounts and Social Security checks. But nearly, uh, looks like nearly 450,000 people receive their benefits, Social Security benefits, outside the U.S. at the end of 2021, up from 307,000 in 2008. What do you think, Danny? You get it? I mean, this is something we might have to plan for as clients look at that, but most most of that is trying to understand the financial element of what's going on in this country that people are looking to move to. But Costa Rica has been a very popular site for retirees for a while. And I've noticed now France coming up, Italy coming up. More European countries where it seems yeah. like there's more Central America exactly. for a long time, Good at least point. from here in our region. Yeah. So if you get a Social Security check and you're living in another country, is it taxed in that country as well as in this country? Depends. It does. You, gotta, you have to be, when people have to move overseas, you got to be very state, you got to be very country specific. Mm-hmm how much paperwork you have, how much in taxes you're going to pay. Um, you even can co-op benefits. There are certain countries where they'll say, listen, you have a health care benefit here, but since you're not, a res- you know, you're, not, you haven't, you're not born here, you have to provide some. You have to pay into it. To pay some into the system yep. to some degree. But it is much more cost efficient than typically what you have here, which is yes. why many people are much more inclined to move. But, you know, the interesting dynamic to this is that you generally have to show this country, you know, that you have, you know, what your net worth is. You're not going to be a burden on their system, that you have income coming in. You've got to be financially sound, generally speaking, yes. to make that move. Now, yes. you're not going to have to be a multimillionaire, but well, you might be able to do it with, with a lot less than what you could do here. Yeah. Funny thing, not funny, but just interesting perspective is many people will still keep their health if they have a very serious health issue mm-hmm. they're coming back to the states yeah they're not totally severing their ties one they probably are sandwich generation and they still have family here possibly have to be caregivers for older parents mm-hmm. that don't want to move overseas but when it comes to health care they're going to go ahead and come back here so it's almost like i have to help you have to help a client figure out the mechanics of living there most of the time, but then looking maybe to come back. If you need something you know major done, who do you stay with? What do you do? I mean, there's a lot of moving parts associated with this, but you know, I, I encourage people to seek it out. I think one of the bigger things, you know, you and I talk about this when people go into retirement in general, is finding that purpose. What's yes. going to help you get up every day? What are you going to do to remain vital, to make, remain active, social? And I think that that is one of the the problems that a lot of people face is that they get into this new country while generally they've probably traveled there. They've had a really good time and a good experience, but once you're physically living somewhere, it changes that. And so now you've got to figure out, you know, how are you going to meet people? Is there an expat community? Is there other ways for you to get involved? Is there going to be, be a huge language barrier? And now we're seeing, I think a lot of people are moving, you know, looking at central America, some of these countries, 
you know, they take the dollar, so it makes life easier. Mm. Um, you know, some of them are, are fairly good with English speaking. Um, but Europe in particular, I think, is where a lot of people, like you mentioned, more people are moving there because they don't always have to learn a new, a new language. They can yeah. do it a lot easier. Now, I would think I would want to immerse myself, and you'd want to, you'd want to understand how to communicate well with everyone. I think people Something. that probably do this, they're, they're, a, they're a different breed. I would think they tend to be more social. Yep. Like, in other words, they... they, they more they, adventurous. you got to have that look, personality. Yeah, they look at this as an opportunity to change things up, like revive a purpose, as opposed to just retiring in their house and stuck in the same old, you know, maybe in the rut that they're in. This totally takes them out of it. And to your point, Danny... <clears throat> there's a lot more paperwork sometimes, a lot more red tape with a lot of these countries, but um, frankly, less processed foods. Um, you need a smaller nest egg to live, and this, the pace of life is very different. It, you know, I have one client that years ago I had. <clears throat> I haven't talked to him in a long time. But he had moved to Costa Rica, and you couldn't get him out of there. The pace of the lifestyle, the beauty of it, I mean, it, it was just the environment around him and his wife, they, they thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, and they, they were very well off, but their money went a heck of a long way. There are so many stories of small towns in Italy that will also sell you a house. One woman bought a house, bought three houses for three bucks in a small town outside of Sicily. She had to put about 100000 into each, but she bought the houses for a buck each and retired there. Because one of the reinvestment programs where yes. they give you, yeah, that's pretty neat. Hey, man, you don't have to, st you know, you retired, you can go wherever you want. It's just interesting to see this perspective. Hey, that's it. That's all we have for today. Tomorrow we'll be back. Hump day, middle of the week. Enjoy you being with us. We really enjoy your your time. YouTube people, you guys are keep us awake in the morning. Uh, see you tomorrow. Thanks again.